Hello again, friends. Welcome to another episode of Golf Subpar. I know there's a lot of trying times going on out there right now, Sleazy, but have no fear. We are here to entertain still. Exactly. There's no days off in show business, Colty. Subpar will go on as planned, coming to you live every Tuesday, bringing the heat, big interviews, including this week's guest, Kevin Chappell, which was a fun one, which we'll get to after this first segment. Yes, we will. It was a very interesting interview, I must say. But before we get to that, <laughs> I want to say congratulations to you. Oh, this is this is good. Yes. On it was what, unfortunate exactly. the Players' Championship didn't happen, mm. but on a, good, on a side note, you didn't lose Correct. any ground this week, so you're still kind of right in there. This is a bit of a knock on you. First week, you didn't gain, you know, improve on your lead, so, you know. The bad news for me, is A, the good news is I didn't lose any ground. Shout out to me for doing that. B, my window of time. I was always this is a marathon, this is a marathon. It may not be a marathon now. It may be more of a sprint towards the end. So kids going to have to, the sleazy man's going to have to come with some some fire picks here late in the season. I mean, this just gives me more time to do research. I was going to say, you definitely have some time to dive into numbers, make some better picks. But if the PGA Tour season doesn't come back, but you'll be it's on the bag. Huge problem. Rock. Don't think that hasn't crossed my mind at this point. I'm already I'm already uh, allowing for that in the future. But I got to come. I got to come super correct next time we we get back live with the picks, which God knows when that'll be. I don't yeah, think anybody. We have knows. no idea. I mean, at least till Hilton Head. Five weeks is the best case, I think. And in reality, I, I would be somewhat surprised if that was the time. I think it's more. The NBA just announced that they're coming back in mid or aiming to come back in mid June at best. I don't think PJ Tour outraces anybody on this deal. So yeah, it's uh, obviously a, obviously a tough time for everyone out there, especially in the sports world with you know no March Madness, no Masters, no nothing. It's a tough time right now, but you know what? We're gonna get through this. Everyone's gonna stay happy, healthy, and subpar will continue. That's why I'm wearing the shirt that I'm wearing today. You Cole. do look Actually, fantastic. This wasn't by, by accident. Thank you very much for that. This for those who can't see, aren't watching. I'm wearing my official Team Kyrodek shirt presented to us by Kyrodek Alpha Barnrett himself. And it's just times like this where things are tough, there's a lot of uncertainty. I find it very reassuring to just look down and see this beautiful beast of a specimen looking back at me, almost saying like, hey, sleazy man, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. You know, <laughs> we're hearing this together, bud. So I like to keep him close to my chest right now, I live every day under the mantra, what would the rat do? I think we could all, if I give one piece of advice right now, live as if you were the rat. Even though the rat's probably out buying like a Lambo or a Ferrari say. right now, maybe not to that extreme, but just, just take, take solace in the fact that we're all in this together, and that's why I keep this man right here close to me. Well, yeah. during these times, you know, we've we've been talking. What in the hell do we do? Very you know, good. Things are shutting down. A uh, lot of TV being watched. Correct. Obviously, no no sports, which is very unfortunate. But give me the sleazy man's <laughs> go to. Oh, my go to. Yes. Right now, what I'm digging into. Yeah. What is At this very moment, I'm digging deep into Homeland. So I started the first few seasons, which is a long time ago, dude. But that was like back, literally, I think I was still playing golf. Got out, had less time for watching 12, 12 episodes in a row of a given show. Put it to bed. Now I've gone back and we're starting to rewatch from like season three. And I'm just smashing through this thing. Mostly at night, staying up extremely late in the evening. They always leave me on a cliff. I don't know. It's by design, but they seem to always leave me on a cliff. The world could be ending every time the show ends. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, I got to see what's going to happen. So I click it back on. And next thing you know, it's three in the morning and uh, the world's been saved. So, so that's why you don't respond to my text till about 10, 30, 11 in the correct. morning. Correct. You know, I needed a little time to recoup in the morning, get the engines revved up. What are you diving into? You got any go-tos? I tell you, last night I finally watched it. I've heard so much about it. Free Solo. Oh. I mean, I'm still sweating. It, I'm still nervous. Yeah. Like, that was the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. Like, how the hell does this guy climb this wall, this El Capitan? El Capitan. I mean, 
at watching it, like he's holding on for his life by like two fingers and one toe. Yeah. And he's swinging himself over to other sides. I'm like, no, nah, I'm out. I'm so out on this. Yeah, it's that one's like my hands are dude, yeah. even talking about it. Just watching. If you haven't watched that, watch it. It's free solo. It's about a guy that basically hikes and or climbs, I guess, an unclimbable mountain without ropes or anything. And it is you're on the edge of your seat. That's a really good one. Colty, one thing I'm struggling with. I know you are, too. There's nothing to gamble on, dude. I'm a guy that likes to lose a lot of money betting on stupid <laughs> stuff. No sports on TV whatsoever. A lot of weird stuff popping up on sports networks, things like that. Anything you found yourself, best and worst things you found yourself watching since this corona uh, shutdown or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, well, I did. I, I tweeted the other day that uh, I'm giving up sports gambling for 30 days. Good for you. I really appreciate everyone's support in this trying time. Congrats. Because uh, it's difficult. but It's not easy. It's not. But, you know, it's something I feel like I need to do for myself. Yes. Uh, but I will say I was laying on the couch yesterday. Okay. Uh, got a little banged up Saturday night with That'll happen. maybe someone that works here. Maybe someone doesn't. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, it was a great time, but the next day hurt really bad, but I was lucky enough to find varsity blues on TV. Oh, I mean, one gold. of the all time greats golden. Uh, so that was fantastic. And then not quite as good. I don't know if they were just doing like a football movie, but the replacements was on as yeah, well. Also good. One probably one of Keanu's Keanu, best. Keanu's <laughs> acting chops on full yeah. display in that beast. So that's the best and worst probably okay. I've watched so far. Varsity Blues. You watch that in 30 years. It makes me want to go back to high school, be Lance Harbor. I feel like that's again. exactly what my high school did. Exactly. Like. Were you with the Lance Whip Harbor of bikini. Pilot Point? <laughs> did you ever yeah, see exactly. her in her Whip Crane Bikini? I love it. It's so good. Johnny uh, Moxon's only one man. That's a great line, too. That is a good one. Um, uh, Tweeter, just the whole time. is Tweeter, my favorite little, character. What about you? Oh, man. So this is this is funny, actually. My best and worst go together. So I'm, I'm yesterday, I'm on the couch. I just automatically default go to like ESPN and see what's on. I wasn't thinking. I was like, oh, yeah, nothing's on. So I scroll through. I think I'm on ESPN, too. All of a sudden, there's sports on. I'm like, oh, my God. And it is the World Dodgeball Championships. Did you happen to see I, this? I saw it on the guide. I didn't watch it, though. But I saw it. I was like, ooh, if I don't find anything else, I'm watching that. You should have kept it locked because yeah. all of a sudden I'm like, all right, cool. Here's some sports happening right now in the world. Let's watch this. I watched a few. I watched 10 minutes. Of, I'm like, this sport is awesome. I mean, the, the level of dodgeball, there's dudes catching them to the dome, going down. It's high energy. It's fast paced. I was like, this is the best. And it was Austria versus some other country. I don't know who it was. It had the three the letters on the screen, but I couldn't tell you who it was. And Austria was just putting the wood to this team. So I was like, oh, my God, dude, Austria is unbeatable. I go on my phone. I'm like, I wonder what Austria is to win this world, what the odds are for them to win this world championship or whatever. I look at it. It's not literally as I'm, like, scrolling it on my phone to try to bet on them. It comes. They're going to break. They're like, all right, we'll be right back with the 2018 World <laughs> Dodgeball. Oh I was like, Ugh, not the right year. I'm an idiot. That's so how hard they're searching for content I tried to bet the right dodgeball. Now, yeah. I was trying to find anything. I was like, Austria is unbeatable. I've seen four seconds of this show. Obviously, they're the team to beat. Well, that's why we have to keep bringing the heat with subpar to entertain Correct. these people because there's not a whole lot to watch out there, but you can always count on the sleazy man and myself. Absolutely. We will be here. All right. Well, this week's episode, or this week's interview, Kevin Chappell uh, was very interesting. He showed up with a bag, and I was nervous from the start. We didn't know what we were getting into. All we know is he showed up in costume, and when the guest comes on a show and asks you to participate in a little costume game, you kindly oblige, and that's what we did. We give the guests what they want. He made us look ridiculous, but to be honest, hey, if he's happy, we're happy, and we'll do it for any future guests out there. But right now, let's listen to what Kevin Chappell had to say on Golf Subpar. Well, here we go. It's time for another episode of Golf Subpar, and for those of you who can't see it at home, you're missing out because uh, we have a narwhal, a teddy bear, and a uh, sleaze. 
Yeah, I didn't, know, I didn't even know this was happening Mr. Today. Incredible. I just felt like dressing up today, and I'm, I'm coincidentally, you guys showed up uh, looking the part as well. So this is just a regular Tuesday for the kids. Well, we should introduce our guest. It is PGA Tour player Kevin Chappell, and he was kind enough to show up with these costumes. And what our guests want, our guests get. Well, thanks for having me. Um, you guys look great. Uh, what you guys don't know is I went and practiced in my outfit today, so... Uh, you know, I'm eight hours in, so let's get after it. I love, I'm just impressed Never the costumes changed. fit me. Yeah, you know, you get them big for just in case of the, the <laughs> really, fluctuation really in size. There's some, there's some room for growing in that one, too, for you. What exactly – so explain what you are because I was unaware when you showed up today. All right, so there's some backstory. So I got a costume box. And of course. I, it, I frequently wear outfits for my costume box. And okay. you guys okay. are each wearing one um, that, I, that I enjoy wearing. But So the narwhal came about my daughter turned one. She had a unicorn party. And I felt left out that there was no male version of the unicorn. So I've created this mythical character of the narwhal that is basically the unicorn of the sea. And okay. uh, yeah. I have superpowers, and, and that's how I rocked it during a party. And so I still put it on, and you she loves this it. Ca- this isn't like a real character. I mean, the narwhal, the narwhal is a real thing. Of course, yeah, but, the narwhal, uh, well known. But, you know, I, I gave it some superpowers, and... and it wasn't known as the unicorn of the sea until Chappie. Correct. Yeah. Got it. Oh, okay. All right. I love it. Well, well, well thank you for, for uh, bringing the party favors. Brought about a nice bottle of wine to you. You're our nicest guest so far. Kyrdek did send us some shirts. That was very nice, but this, I feel like, tops that. McGord brought a pie, which no one touched, and some flowers from his future funeral. Um, <laughs> yeah. What those else? things will still be fresh. Gary brought nothing. Rom at least wrapped. He brought nothing. So this is you're way ahead of the you're game. You're way ahead of the game. Well, I've... I've been able to listen and, and see what guys were doing. So, you know, I always had Good to one-up everyone. For future guests, don't get any ideas. We're not doing anything crazy, but we do like to satisfy our guests. I feel great. I'm going to wear this every episode from now on. As you should. All right, let's get started. Kevin, started off UCLA, 2008 NCAA champion. These are all the nice things. We'll get to the mean stuff later. Per- perfect. Jack Nicholas Award winner, which is College Player of the Year in 2008. I want to get to the start. What made you choose UCLA, and where else were you even looking to go? So I wasn't that highly recruited, played locally in California, and uh, was getting recruited by UCLA, USC, and Pepperdine. One of my requirements for myself was I wanted to be able to go to big basketball games, go to big football games, Mm -hmm. and have that environment. And so Pepperdine was immediately out. Um, You know, great school, (laughs) but they weren't going to provide that for me. shit on Pepperdine. (laughs) I love it. No offense, Pepperdine. (laughs) Uh, it's not good at anything. I think, the, that, I think they've won one NCAA basketball ter- game, though. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's probably more where I went to school. <laughs> um, so, anyway, they were out. And uh, UCLA at the time had just finished second and third NCAAs and had a young coach, Odie Vincent, that was doing it different. They were on the cover of Gol- Golf Digest or Golf Magazine with Golf, golf Magazine, ball. first off. Always I, Golf Magazine. I'm sorry. Golf Magazine with uh, – Yeah. Bucket of balls in front of their Johnsons and uh, provocative. Oh, I remember provocative that. cover yeah. shot. I had some friends on that team. I was like, "This is aggressive." So I, I wanted to. I liked that they did it different. Obviously, I do things differently, and uh, so I wanted to be a part of that. And so it was an easy decision for me. What's the coolest? Like Colt and I went to school right down the road from each other, Fort Worth, Dallas. You're in LA, like the hub of where all the action is. What's the coolest thing about going to school in LA? I think it would be a lot of temptations as a 19 to 22 year old kid. Yeah, but you come from Fresno. I'm pretty sheltered coming from there, and so I didn't get out too much. Uh, Westwood's kind of its own village, and you you got your grocery stores, you got your bars and restaurants. You don't really need to leave. 
you know, a big night for me would have been going to Santa Monica, uh, you know, eight miles down the road. Right. The little uh, Ferris wheel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, for for me, I guess the highlights were going to play Bel Air, going to play Riviera and you see, you know, a celebrity teeing off. You see uh, Cheech Marin teeing off. You see um, Randy Quaid or uh, Randy Quaid. Sure. Sure. It's your story. Tell so, it all you want. You see to. a bunch of celebrities teeing off, playing golf, Chris O'Donnell. And it's like, oh, wow, like I watched that guy on TV last night. Um, so th- that part was pretty cool. Who were the biggest celebs? It's got to be one of the big perks. Like you're at Bel Air, you're at Riv, you're at all these places where the stars are. Who are the coolest guys you like got to know or got to play with while you're there? Yeah, you're not really treated like a member when you're there. So you're not, I mean, you're getting to play the golf course and you just kind of get to observe them but you're you're told to kind of stand in the trees if you're holding someone up don't cross your arms if someone's holding you up so i wouldn't say we were interacting with people um you know day in and day out but you got to you know see the sharing the same air at yeah least. yeah exactly walk on the same grounds you never date any pop stars or anything like that running around no that i was like the brit you were there in like the britney era or something like that you probably had to rub shoulders with some of these I avoided that back in the day. I avoided that, but I do got a good Britney Spears story oh, from bring it. after college. So I just got my tour card. We we got our tour cards together. Well, my second time. Yeah, probably. I lost it. My All first right, time. so we had just got our tour cards, and I had to go to rookie orientation, mm-hmm. and they did it at after finals of Q School, and it was in Florida. Well, the weekend before was UCLA USC football game, so I thought I had some money. I'm like, hey guys, let's. We got some college teammates together. So let's get together. Let's go to this game. I'll get us a suite at the W, which is right in Westwood, and we'll have a good time. So we, I get the suite. Unbeknownst to me, we get Britney Spears' suite, supposedly. So uh, good work. we have a night. And uh, I remember you know, getting Taco Bell on the way home and, and uh, wake up the next day, and there is black Sharpie marks everywhere. I mean, there's a Chase Lounge. There's a mattress. And there's... 15 guys in this two-bedroom place, but there's couches everywhere. So someone, everyone had a place to sleep. And there's black Sharpie marks everywhere, and I can't figure it out. So we go to the game. We come back, knock on the door. And uh, it's security, and they're like, sir, you've va- vandalized the room. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, we need, here's your bill. And so there's like a bill for the mattress. So of all things, I had to buy the mattress. That's what you want is a hotel mattress. Mattress, yeah, and, from the W uh, in LA. But they could clean the couch, but they couldn't clean the mattress. If there's damage to a mattress, they have to get rid of it. And I'm like, well, first of all, why can't you clean the mattress? And they're like, well, we can't do it. It's against the law. Da, da, da. I'm like, well, if I'm buying the mattress, you're going to ship it to me. So here's my shipping address. Um, and they're like, well, no, you don't get the mattress. And I'm like, well, I'm paying for it. I'm what buying do you mean? It. Yeah. So we get in this argument. Finally, they're like, all right, we'll leave the mattress. You just got to pay for the cleaning. So I guess what had happened, I come to find out after they leave, is a guy had passed out and we blackfooted him. So we colored his foot in from his toes up oh to his <laughs> up to his hip flexor, <laughs> and he was a sleepwalker. So he walked around all night and found different places to sleep. While everywhere he slept, there was Sharpie. That is amazing. <laughs> I've never heard that prank before. I've heard a lot of like pranks you do when dudes are passed out. I've never heard coloring his entire leg from his feet to his. It basically <laughs> sharpies. Talk about your all-time backfire. I don't blame you for wanting the mattress, though. I mean, right? where Britney Spears slept. That's what I'm thinking. I yeah. would have been perfectly fine with that bill. Yeah, that's good. Here's my shipping address. That's a good story. I like a little old, still a little sharpie prank amongst the fellas. Still don't have I mean? the mattress. <laughs> Must have got lost in the mail. Westwood. We need that. We need that Britney Spears mattress. Yeah, please. that's one for the archives. Back in the day, Britney, not current day, Britney. We don't want that. one. No, this was heyday, Britney, yeah. dude. Heyday. All right, let's go back to UCLA though for a little bit, because I want to. I want to talk about the 
you you won the 2008 NCAA championship, which is a huge, huge accomplishment in college. Before then, kind of like your senior year, did you know you were going to turn professional? What was your what was your long term goal? And did did that winning that tournament kind of set you on your way, or did you have some setbacks as you turned pro? Um, so yeah, I mean that was always the goal, right? Turn professional, and so I've always been a big evidence guy. So I kind of had shown some talent at the junior level, which is why I was getting recruited. When I got into college, I wasn't real good. I started getting better, and I started to see some success. And so I was like, okay, there's some evidence that shows maybe I should try to turn professional. And so you know that was the goal all along. I wasn't highly recruited by agents, which is a common thing, and promised the world by by you know tournament directors and things like that. I ended up signing with a guy who was a who's a father figure to me, uh, Ralph Cross. Uh, he was an independent agent at the time. And I'd known him for a long time. Um, but so that was kind of the plan all along. Ralph was going to represent me. I'm going to go pl- get, I'll get a few starts based on my resume. Then I went in NCAAs. So, you know, obviously a great accomplishment, but probably set myself up for failure in the sense of I thought that was going to get me X, Y, and Z. I thought it was going to get me all these starts. And so it's kind of frustrating getting started be- as a professional because I didn't get the starts. And it's like, man, I'll just sit on my hands until they let me go. And when they finally gave me some starts, I didn't play any good. I was mm-hmm. terrible. Missed it first stage of Q school. And that was, you know, a nice slice of humble pie. Um, you know, it wasn't going to be as easy as I thought it was just because I was playing good in college. There was no guarantees um, that I was going to have a great professional career. And so I kind of really had to look in the mirror after missing it first stage and and reassess and make a plan about how I was going to go about it. After you won all this stuff in college, you won NCAA, you won like every award you could win, you're three-time All-American, all that, like golf feels at that point, like probably pretty easy. Like, hey, I'm succeeding at this level. Of course, I'm going to succeed at the next level. When you got up and you did miss it first stage and stuff, is that like, was that a shock to the system? And they're like, oh, this is a little harder than I thought it would be. I thought I'd just cruise through this. Definitely. But, you know, as you guys know, in golf, you take your lumps a lot. It's rarely that you, you get to throw some punches when you're playing golf. And so, you know, that's kind of how I looked at it once I was able to remove the emotion and in, in the failure of missing a first stage, it was like, okay, what do I need to do? And so what I really struggled with was that we had, when you're in school, basically 16 hours of your day is accounted for, whether it's practice, class, workouts, study hall, whatever it is, they're telling where you're telling you where you're going to be for 16 hours. And you're getting all the stuff done that you need to get done to be eligible, to be getting better. Well, when you turn professional, it's on you. You got 24 hours a day in a day and you got to do all that stuff and you kind of get, I kind of got lost. I was like overwhelmed by it. You can go no. practice if you want to. Yeah. You don't have to. You can go to the gym. No school. You yeah. Don't, we don't got workouts at six. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. And so I thought I procrastinated a little bit and uh, which probably stunted my growth that I had I'd been having um, in the college ranks. And then once I was able to kind of put my finger on that as being the nucleus of why I wasn't succeeding, then it was, all right, let's fix this. Let's get focused and let's get back to work. I found it interesting. So you, like you went through those struggles, which was probably great, made you who you who you were. You go out, you went on the Corn Ferry Tour in 2010. You come a rookie on the PGA Tour in 2011. You go out, and qualify for the U.S. Open, and finish third as a rookie on the PGA Tour. Like that's that's not normal. And it was your first ever major championship. Yeah. So I've been asked about this recently, and you know, from what I recall, I qualified and uh, get to the U.S. Open, and I get like the last tee time off the backside on Thursday. And if you recall that the that was the U.S. Open that Rory won at Congressional, and so he I think he had posted seven or eight under before I had teed off, and so I was like, oh man, we're 
Here we go. <laughs> Here yeah. we go. I'm in the U.S. Open, first major. I'm eight back before um, I tee off. Yeah. And I got a 230-yard par three downhill over a lake. Okay. And uh, so I got into the round, and I wasn't playing real good. And I kept looking around. And I'm like, there's no one out here. This is the U.S. Open. And, you know, I'm on the wrong side the last tee time. Of course, there's going to be no one out there, right? And so I I, I think I shoot three or four over par. And um, Friday, I tee off, and I play in the course the right way. But I'm last off in the morning. And it wasn't, you know, wasn't even a thought in my mind. Let's go win this golf tournament. It was like, okay, I got to play well to make the cut. And I remember hitting it to like eight feet on the ninth hole for Eagle, my last hole of the day. And I'm like, man, this is pretty good round of golf. I think I was going to shoot four or five under par if I made it. And I didn't make it, tapped in, look at the leaderboard. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm like right there. And, you know, in like 20th place. And I just moved up the leaderboard on the weekend and, um, you know, never really had a chance to win. Never was, did you have the nerves of trying to win a golf tournament? But, you know, it was basically we were all playing for second. And I finished, I guess I finished third. Yeah, so yeah. I finished the shot back and finishing second. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I did as good as I was going to do in the situation. But that's still incredible under that, in that situation. I mean, your first ever major championship. I mean, you got to be a little, I mean, you granted, you, you looked at the situation. And we're like, oh, wow, this is not that many people out here. I'm just playing golf, hanging out. And you go out, you finish third, get you in, get you in the Masters. First off, you've had four top tens in majors, which is just I mean, pretty awesome for, I think you played 19, which is a pretty good percentage. I mean, what is it about major championships? I mean, you've, you've always been known as a great ball striker. Does, does that allow you to show your talents in major championships where ball striking is more important than say like a regular tour event? So I think, you know, it's all about attitude for me. And so I embrace those, I embrace how difficult the majors are going to be a little more so than I do, you know, say at Bay Hill last week, it's like, you know, some, sometimes a regular tour event, you can shoot 20 under par and finish, you know, sixth or eighth. And, now, that's a bit frustrating, but you go to some of these harder events um, on the PGA Tour or majors, and you know that it's going to be a grind. You know that people are going to have a bad attitude about it. People are, aren't going to be able to handle getting hit in the face. And so I kind of embrace that mentality. And, you know, if we look at where I've had success, like San Antonio, where I won, you know, it's not – you don't have to shoot really low. People – you can get the wrong side of the draw. You can – you know, you can get bad breaks there. And so you get, really have to embrace it. Um, yeah, Colt, we'll talk about, I'm sure we'll we talk about that, that here shortly, but, uh, so you, that, that's kind of my mentality in the majors and it, you know, it, I think it benefits me. Yeah, it's, um, it's true. And so like, basically, I mean, that's what Brooks Kepka came out and said last year and he kind of got ridiculed for it. And it's what you kind of just said. I mean, half the people psych themselves out before they even start a major championship. I'm better than the other half. So all I gotta do is beat this small sample size of guys. It's kind of his theory and he got killed for it, but he's hundred percent right. Did you just compare me to Brooks? Well, no, you kind of said the same thing. Uh, You're both kind of unicorns in a sense. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Cole. You're welcome. Yeah. That's the nice, other nice. We're here to make our guests today. feel comfortable. But yeah, no, I, I think, you know, what Brooks is saying is right. And you know, obviously he's had, you know, enormous success in majors and, and you know, made a career playing well in majors. Um, but yeah, I think if you go into it with a great attitude, you're ahead of the, you're ahead of the curve. And then, you know, understand that you're pretty talented. That's why you're there. And, and to rely on your strengths and, uh, and try not to expose your weaknesses as you compete in those events. And, and you're going to have success. You've been like really good in us open specifically, right? You've been like low American. I think a couple times you mentioned, we've talked about congressional, how good you were there. Is there something specifically, is it like the us open type of golf suits your, your style of game more so than other majors? Or is it just like, Hey, this is the epitome of the hardest, uh, you know, setups in golf more or less. And that's what I like when par is valued. I enjoy that, you know, t I'm not going to speak from statistics because I don't know it, but typically I drive the ball fairly well. 
So that's going to give me an advantage in a U.S. Open style where there's rough. I'm going to hit fairways. I'm going to hit it far enough to where I can to score from those positions. And then I think I consider myself a good par putter. So you know, I take pride in not making a lot of bogeys or you know trying not to make a lot of bogeys. And and so making the eight footers to keep momentum, making the ten footers to you know to make the turn and, and feel like you're, you're you can springboard off of that. And and so I think I do a good job of that in those majors. Why a good par putter? Like what's the difference between an eight footer for par, eight footer for birdie? It's a putt, right? It's an eight footer. Why are you, are, do you, are you saying you're like better at eight from eight to 10 feet for par than you are for birdie? I, I don't know or, the stats no, again. Right. Yeah, I don't, don't know, know the stats again, but Neither do I we, just, so I just fine. think I take pride in it. It's like, Hey, I really enjoy having a bogey free round or, you know, limiting the bogeys. And so it kind of, kind of grabs your attention and you're like, all right, I'm going to hone in on this. I, and yeah, yeah I like, think you're right. I think it's the, it's the concept of, I don't want to give away a shot here. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it'd be great to pick up a shot, but I don't want to give away one here. And you, it just seems like you go into that much more of a focus on the par putt. I, I like you that. hate making bogey more than you love making birdie. Type of right. You get way more mad walking off the green after making bogey than you are happy when you make, make a birdie. birdie. Type That's, right. That's weird Expect though, right? It's birdies. like an eight foot putt should be an eight foot putt, but it's like mentally it's for whatever reason, not the same. Cause there are guys like Tiger Prince was the best par putter in the history of life for, you know, for forever. And it was like every time for par, I was like, what's this for par? Oh, this is definitely going in. Yeah. I, I think that's spot on. Yeah, so good point. Speaking of making bogeys, um, <laughs> chap and I were paired together at one of his favorite tournaments, the Valero Texas open in 2016, I believe a nice calm day in San Antonio. <laughs> so this is, this is great. So we get paired together. It's me, chap, Brendan Grace. We're off in the morning on Thursday. Brendan Todd. No, it wasn't. It was Brendan Todd. I will oh, bet here we you go. anything you want on this. We'll, we will figure this out at some point. Then we got a producer in the studio that Name can figure this out. Name your bet. I will wear this for the next month. Oh, please get this right. Are you sure right now? Mr. Unicorn. Well, hold on. You name what I get. If- hold on. Let me think about this. <laughs> <laughs> because I played with both of them there. I played with Brendan Todd in the final round the year I won. Or Brennan Grace, the year I won. And I played with Brennan Todd, and he made a debacle on a hole that you're going to talk about, and then still almost won the golf tournament. I'm just going to. And so maybe I'm getting my information a little mixed up here. But go ahead. So continue with your story. The bet is on the table. Continue with your story. Listen to the grizzly. He's a wise bear. Teddy bear. He's a wise bear. So, anyways, we get paired together. My mom flies down from Dallas to watch us. I'm so excited. I'm playing with Chap and Brendan Grace, who I actually really like as well. So that's okay. why I knew I enjoyed the pairing so much. <laughs> if it had been the other way, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it near as much. I feel like Colt would remember this round more than I you remember, remember everything. This round guys. Just for it's yeah. true. Well, anyways, it's blowing 97 miles an hour. It is absurd. Like we shouldn't even have been out there. Do you agree? Agreed. And so this is when I was battling my thumb and all this, and I was uh, about nine over through seven, I think. And I, well, on the third hole, I handed my mom my credit card and said, "Book us a flight home to Dallas." I was. I love those. Three I love holes. Those I think rounds. I started off double. Bogey, triple. I was six over three. All right, I'm like, you're right there. I'm out of here. It was so ridiculous. We get to the ninth hole, and I knew I was done. I'm going home. And they moved the tee up a little bit. But the nine's like 490. They moved it up to probably like 450. It was stupid. It's blowing 50 in your face. And I see Chad Campbell up there, and it's tee shot. I'm like, he literally looks like he's from me to the wall off the tee. And I'm like, I got to see how far this is. So I pull out my laser, and they're like, don't tell us because we don't want to get DQ'd or anything. I laser it. Chad Campbell is 195 yards off the tee. Okay. And so Big I move. tell him about it afterwards. I was like, or the next week, I was like, dude, I lasered you on nine. Your T-shirt went 195. He goes, well, I was 10 yards ahead of Dudley Hart. <laughs> <laughs> so it was something like four guys or six guys out of our wave made the cut. I flew home to Dallas, land, and turn on the TV, and there's the seagull, Charlie Hoffman, putting for birdie to shoot five under, and there's zero wind in the afternoon. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And then we go on to the next year, 
and Kevin Chappell gets his first PGA Tour win at that very place. So I'm going to fact check Colt here. Fact check his ass right now. So it was 2015 where this happened. Because in, because in 16, I contended. It finished about fourth, fourth or sixth. That's fine, 15. I still know who the third person was okay. in the group. Well, the, but so you can We're understand, you can understand where that being accurate type. Of you can guy, understand you know where I mean? the confusion comes from. Shoot from the hip. But I finished my round that round, and Colt withdrew, and then he pulls out his laser, and whoever was on the tee with us were like, "Colt, don't tell us." And the first text I get when I turn my phone on is a text from Colt, <laughs> and it says one ninety one or whatever, <laughs> whatever it was. Dude, it was unreal how hard the wind was blowing. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous. If he tells you the yard is right there, are you like, are you in trouble? I don't, I you don't can't get in trouble for that. There's so many it? stupid rules. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like, yeah, I would yeah, never want to know too. He's like, don't even speak to me right now. But Correct. like, also that would be a terrible rule. Like, I would just walk up and just DQ, DQ whoever's leading. It's like, <laughs> oh hey dude, you got 201. Oh, sorry. So here, okay, fact check me on this. The year you won, 2017, San Antonio was after Augusta. Correct. San Antonio was after Augusta. Okay, so you weren't having the best year. Correct. At the time. So I, I was on the sidelines injured. So I go to a week of golf central down for golf channel. So on Monday I'm doing this, this bit and they have me, they, they have you make your pick for the week. So oh, I remember this. I think piece. you, I think you finished like 21st at Augusta. No, I finished sixth at Augusta. Okay. I finished sixth. I totally was lying, but you weren't playing good, but you switched like golf balls. I had changed. So Nike had gone out of equipment in 2016 in the fall or late summer, and I really struggled finding stuff. And so I changed everything, and then I slowly changed back to what I was having success yeah. with. Well, I knew that. So anyways, he played terrible all year, play, went and played great at Augusta. So we're doing the, the segment on Monday, and they're like, pick a winner for the week. And I gave these reasons why, and I said, Kevin Chapel. We get done, everybody's like, why the hell are you picking Kevin Chapel? I was like, well, he likes this place. They go, he's been playing terrible all year. I was like, I think he found something last week. He got some old equipment. Watch. So I text him. I go, don't make me look like an idiot this week. Goes on, wins the golf tournament. One and done, golf central, I'm undefeated, I quit. Genius. Genius. Yes. I love when Colt Genius. became Colt Stradamus yep. at that point. Nostradamus. I, I played with... Uh, oh, no. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm with it. you. I'm not going to My head is sweating in this right now. You, you look <laughs> so uncomfortable so right now. I, I'm having a hard so time looking here. at you. We might have to take a break. <laughs> and just seeing the beads. Hmm? Uh, Brendan Grace. Thank you, oh, producer okay. Mark. That means you get you, you get to wear get, that for a month. You can get out okay. of that. Get up. I uh, so at the Masters that year in seventeen, I played with Jimmy Walker, who had just won the PGA the year before, and uh, we played Sunday Sunday the Masters together. And I played a great round of golf. I think I shoot four or five under, and we put out. And I remember going into scoring, and I think I was in like ninth place when we finished. And I was like, "Hey, what gets back in the Masters next year?" And Jimmy's like, "You don't got to worry about that. You're back in." And his caddy was in there, and he goes, you don't got to worry about that. You're going to win in San Antonio next week. And so he was actually the first mm. to predict it, Andy Sanders, and then Colt picked me. Just stole on, my thunder. On Golf Channel. But, uh, I mean, that is all credit to you. I wish you got a job with Golf Channel again and started No, that means me. I'd have to live in Orlando. That sounds terrible. Yeah, he, I like he ain't Scott's cut out. Look how he sweats right now. What, imagine what he's doing You put this Orlando, thing on your dude. dome in here. It's hotter than hell. <laughs> look at this little grizzly bear, dude. God. He's in heat right now. I think it's the best. Oh, by the way, looked. you sent me some pictures after you won that uh, the event in San Antonio uh, from the plane, and your caddy was puking into the toilet of the plane, mm. which is basically like, don't use this toilet unless like for an emergency or whatever. What was that night like after you won? By the way, you had one of the better celebrations, I think, on the PGA Tour that well, year in terms of winning. Before we get never to know celebration, what's happen. can we get to – the reaction, yeah, when you made the putt. And the, what, what yeah, was the, going through your mind? as Because you, you got about 12 feet to win the golf tournament. What First off, to get the monkey off your back, because you're a guy 
known as one of the best players not to have won yet. What was kind of like your thought process going into the putt? And then how about, how what did it feel like once it went in? So, yeah, so I had had a bunch of close calls in 16, you know, hadn't played well in 17 thus far. And, you know, to get in position in a place that I'd had success at, um, you know, meant a lot. And so we're playing the whole back nine and I made a birdie on 14. I made a birdie on 14, a par five, and then immediately bogeyed 15. And we're looking at the leaderboard, and basically I think it was 12 under par that I won at. And I was the only one that could really get to 12 under par, or at a, that had a reasonable chance to get to 12 under par. I think Brooks posted 11, burning the last hole, and we're on 17, or we're on 16. And I'm like, Joe, you know, we're the only ones that can get to 12. We're the only ones that can get to 12. If we can do that, we win the golf tournament. It was like, it was so simple to me. Yeah. It's like, bird. make a birdie and yeah. you win. And uh, so I had a good shot in a 16 and just miss. 17 was playing drivable, and I, I hit a tee shot, and it ends up in the right fringe, and I just I didn't have the balls to chip it. Like, if I chip it, it's I could hit it pretty close. If I putt it, I take five out of play, and I'm going to have 15 feet. And I'm like, well, I'd say if I have three chances to at birdie coming down the stretch, I'm going to make one of them. So I don't make it on 17. So playing 18, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> Really, go. really <laughs> testing left. my theory yeah. here. <laughs> to hit it to, you know, what is it, 12 feet. And it was a really simple read. You mentioned Siegel earlier. He had made a similar putt the year before. So it was something I was familiar with. Mm. I'd watched him make it. And, uh, you know, a lot of tension around winning golf tournaments, not having done it in, you know, six or eight years in my professional career until, since, you know, winning on the web.com tour. And, uh, you know, to see it go in, Trust the read, hit the good putt, see it go in. You know, it was euphoric. And, and you know, to get to celebrate with a friend, um, Joe Greiner, who was caddying for me at the time, um, you know, that made it even more special. What was it like? Because Colt mentioned this. Like, at the time, you were known as one of the better players who have never won. And that's like a label that gets thrown out there, right? There's best players that have never won, best players that haven't won a major, things like that. How nice is that to get? Like, it's kind of a compliment in a sense, right? Because there's not many guys win out there, right? There's a very select handful. So you're in that category, like, best guys that haven't done it. But once you get it, is that just a huge relief in the sense of just like, thank God I'm not in that conversation anymore? Yeah, it's a nice compliment to have. It's like a people backhanded think you, compliment. People yeah. think you should be winning, but it's even nicer when you can't get that compliment anymore yeah. because you have won. Um, you know, I think you're seeing that with guys like Tommy Fleetwood. You know, Azinger took some some flack recently for – I think that's what he was trying to say, and he threw some jabs at the European Tour. But, um, you know, it's a monkey that exists for sure, and it's nice when you can can bury that. Yeah, absolutely. that monkey's never been on my back. I've never been. I've never had any monkey under that. I don't know, Colt. You almost won the 2016 players. It's true. It was a hell of a week. Yeah. A long time who, ago. Who, who beat you there, Colt? Yeah, someone decided to take about 300 grand out of my pocket by birdie in 17. Oh, Colt only talks about that, by the way, like on a weekly basis. That's actually the first time I've talked about that. Freaking birdie 17, dude. Sold $300,000 from me. No. He hardly remembers it. Hardly remembers it. It was a great it week. Hasn't so affected him. You try having one every once in a while. <laughs> hey, dude. I got, Anyways, I got jickies for days. You are. We'll stay on some golf topic topics here. So you are the tenth player ever to shoot a sub sixty round. There's been, I think, twelve, but on the PJ tour, not the other tours, not the jicky jacks. Those don't count. Those count okay. a lot. You shoot fifty nine in your first PGA tour event back after back surgery in the second round at Greenbrier. You got really emotional afterwards. First off, tell us what it was like coming down the stretch, knowing you had a chance to shoot 59. And second, why did you get so emotional? So it's probably the, you know, it's one of the better accomplishments in my career, shooting 59, you know, after being off for 10 months. Um, you know, I guess a great accomplishment and probably 
a mistake at the same time. For me, it validated that I was ready to, to be competing. And in hindsight, I wasn't even close. Um, you know, I, it was a great day. I made some putts. I hit some good shots. And I was able to do that. But I wasn't even practicing yet. You know, so my I was on a ball count. And I could warm up with 44 balls. And then I'd go on the golf course and hit, you know, 30 some odd shots. And that was the max I could hit. And so I was, I'll say, ignorant enough to think I could compete mm. on the, the with the most elite, you know, golfers in the world, only practicing that much. And and it kind of validated that, but also it was some false validation. And so, you know, a great accomplishment, something I'm very proud of, but it's probably been it's probably sent me in the wrong direction in the comeback this far. But you know, I think I'm I'm able to practice now. I'm proud of where I'm at and 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 looking forward um, to this year. But the reason I got emotional is there was just so many people involved in, in my recovery. Um, so many people that sacrificed so much time that gave me so much time advice um, on the road back. And I just couldn't help but think of them. I mean, my family, first and foremost, you know, my kids, you know, my daughter at the time was two years old and she's telling me, dad, go lay down, dad, go lay down after having back surgery. Cause I was only allowed to, to make, take so many steps. And it's like, man, like, how's my two-year-old understand that dad's not supposed to be walking and that she can tell me to go lay down. Or, you know, my wife, basically, you know, the reason I ended up having back surgery, she carried me through the Phoenix airport after my COBA in 2018 because I couldn't walk anymore. And, and then that was kind of what snowballed into me having back surgery. And so it's like, man, there's so many people that sacrificed and to have that success be in that, you know, small fraternity that shot 59. Um, you know, I couldn't help but think of those people. Coming off like an injury like that, which we've seen it like derail careers before, right? Like that's a pretty big, that's a big surgery. That's a lot of time off. It, you, you, it's kind of like a lot of question marks. What if I come back? What if I don't come back the same way during that time when you're down, do you ever let your mind, does your mind wander as a player being like, all right, what if, like, what if I don't come back like I am and I can't play at this level anymore? Do you start thinking about like, what do I do next? What's the next thing? Like I've, I would imagine that has to come in at some point. Totally. And you know, I've tried to be fairly smart with my financials and understand that, okay, I, I think I'll be okay for X amount of years if, you know, this golf thing doesn't work out. And so you buy your, you give yourself some insurance um, by having an understanding of that. And then, you know, for me, I, I tried to engulf, engulf myself in the game of golf while I was out and, and learn. So, you know, I watched a lot of golf. I watched a lot of TV coverage. I'm like, how can I learn from how John Rahm handles himself under the gun? How can I learn from Justin Thomas being an elite closer? How can I learn from Tiger Woods, um, how he came back? You know, I, I, I texted Tiger multiple times and he gave me some great advice on coming back. And so I was able to use that and pull from what I was watching on television or what I was experiencing in my rehab and, and really feel like that was creating momentum in my career, even though I wasn't competing. Right. Did you ever think to the point like, okay, if I come back and I'm not the same player and, and the golf isn't in my future anymore, did you ever think like, what's next? Like, what am I going to do? Like, did you ever have a backup plan? I guess, essentially, I feel like a lot of golfers don't, but maybe like when you're in a situation like that, you come up with like, oh, this is actually something else I'd like I've, to do. I've never been a big backup plan guy. Like golf was always plan B yeah. as well as plan A, but um, so no, I, I didn't think of that, but obviously your mind wanders and you get negative, even, you know, playing golf. It's like, man, I, I've missed however many cuts coming back. And it's like, well, okay, what, what's next? And, uh, you know, golf's what's next and, and you get to work and, and you figure it out and you got to understand that maybe I'm not the same person that I once was. And, 
I got to fi- I got to figure out the new formula to get back to where I want to be. Yeah, stick to golf, please. Don't come at our job. We need this. Yeah, this, this is all, is we, all we have. We're this not good. All we got. Cole's pretty good. I'm not good, but we need this. So just yeah. keep playing. Like keep Draymond what coming in Barkley. Like we don't want that. Okay, you stay in your lane. We'll stay in ours. Yeah, you keep making tweets. We'll keep talking about tweets. It'll all be good. You I know got what you. Mean? All right, is it time to get into a little Let's fun get stuff? Some fun stuff. Yeah, I like the yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, like there's a lot of real golf. Cool. This is more serious than we've been, especially for a man dressed as a unicorn and a teddy bear. Hey, I'm ready for anything. Come I got a question for you before we kick into some other stuff. So you're Fresno, California guy, right? Born and raised there. There's stereotypes for like Southern Cal people, right? They're like, hey, bro, what's up? You know, there's the surfer dudes, they're all that. Then you got the NorCal stereotype, which is like, I'm the outdoorsman, granola eating, tree hugging type of dude. What's the stereotype for Central Cal guys like you? So first, of, first of all, yeah. we're not accepted by either NorCal or SoCal, right? So we are the outcasts of California, the armpit, but- a staple of a Central California guy is the word hella. So oh, that's, he- y'all created hella? hella. That was so, the worst thing that ever happened to the English language in the history. So, Awful. So Fresno represent hella yeah. cool, bro. There you go. Hella. I was about to say, use it in a sentence for those that may not be familiar. You're like, yo, man, I'm hella drunk. You know what I mean? <laughs> spot on. Exactly. Okay, okay spot on. So all you right. say hella, but you're a huge Garth Brooks fan. Blame it all on my roots. Ooh, we oh, can do that. I showed up in boots. Oh. Ruined your black tie affair. Don't even have to request it. it. Don't we even didn't have to request even have to, it. We didn't have to ask it. for it. We didn't even have to ask for Wyndham it. Clark totally got stage fright. Couldn't handle it. Yeah, he's not built for the stage yet. All right, so is that favorite Garth? I was going to ask, what's your favorite Garth Brooks song? Yeah, that would have to be a good one. Uh, Rodeo, mm-hmm. I think, is a yeah, great Garth one. Brooks Damn song. Rodeo. Because you know what I do with that song? I always relate it to golf. And okay. well, they right. talk about competing on Sundays, you know, the, the, the thrill of competing, the agony of defeat he talks about it in the song. And I just can always relate to it. I like it. That makes sense. How uh, many times have you seen him in concert? Twice. God, I see the, I mean, he's unbelievable. So I'm sure one of your next questions based on what I've uh, listened to see, before. Stop projecting. Stop. You studied know before the show. Do. So I would, I would trade places with Garth Brooks, Garth Brooks in a second. That's not the next question. That is common knowledge, though. Okay? And, uh, You're uh, really pissing me off. Everybody, I, mean, no, I would too. No one can engage a crowd the way he can. I mean, the guy does – he was the first – or he was – one of the first to do stadiums and he sells them out and everyone's singing. Like multiple times a day. Like yeah. I'm doing two shows on Friday. So, sold out. I mean, yeah, it's hard I, to I mean, it's yeah. a fair, he's unbelievable. He's, he's my favorite. I want to know a little bit more about this Fresno. Who's the most famous person from Fresno? Where do you rank in that hierarchy? Cause there's some dudes from there. Aren't the Diaz brothers from there? No, they're, they're from Stockton. They're from Stockton. Yeah, but it's kind of like, does that count? Um, Tim McDonald. Who's that? Played safety for the Niners. You're more famous than him. I know you. Okay. Okay. I don't know him. Um, Nick Watney went to Fresno State. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, plays for the Clippers now. Played for the Pacers. What oh, is the name? dude that annoys LeBron? Paul, Paul George. Yeah, yeah Paul George. He's actually native Fresno? No, he went to Fresno State. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Mike, Mike, Spring, Mike, Sp- Mike Springer has four PGA Tour victories. He's from Fresno. The Cars, they played yeah. at Fresno State. Trent, yeah, Dil- Trent Dilfer, a Dilfer, friend of all of us. Shout Dilfer out. from Fresno? Yeah. Well, he's... Played there. Played at Fresno. I actually didn't know he played there. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I, a lot of quarterback lineage at Fresno. I think I'm top 20. So, Diaz brothers stocked, and that doesn't count. That's a total no, different thing. I was about to ask you if you've That's ever Ricky Barnesville. Yeah, it is Ricky Barnesville. Have you ever been in a fight, though, speaking of the Diaz brothers? Ever been in a real actual fight? You never been as a fighter. Never been in a real fight. I was always the instigator, and I always had, I always had, up? I always had a group of Smart. guys that I was like the protected one. They're like, hey, man, you got the talent to get out of here. So, 
<laughs> so we're gonna make sure you do. And so I always had a. This is why me and Chap are friends. <laughs> this is uh, what it was like in Fresno. Like, yo, man, you can make it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what it was like. So That's it was how like, bad? Is it that bad? Yeah, There's multiple like house parties where cops would come or you know there'd be an incident and everyone's like, all right, just you, call. Call my mom. She'll pretend to be your mom, and you'll get out of here. You know the cops will let you. You were like the kid that had a chance. Like, no, no, not this kid. Like, take the fall for him. Like, he's got future. Exactly. Exactly. I didn't know Fresno was that bad, dude. Um. Yeah, it's not that good. Okay. Well, it's probably like Promenade compared to Stockton. But it's where I'm from. Okay. Yeah. You rep it. it. You rep it hard. You want to go next, Sleazy? No fire. You want to get into some 49ers? I know you're big, big. But hold on, I got something before we get the 49ers. Okay. I need to know what the name Mason Gamble means to you. Oh yeah, this is good. Mason Gamble. This will test you right here. I'm gonna say that's something to do with UCLA, but. I, yeah. I, it doesn't ring a bell. Okay. Wow. I, every time I bring a question up to a guest like this, I stump him. I love Gary it. didn't know who, like, the godfather. Gary Wilson didn't know, like, the godfathers of sociology. Well, that's not surprising. Which is impressive. I, believe it or not, I do li- listen to this mediocrity that you guys <laughs> yeah, okay, produce. Not, yeah, we appreciate this that. This is gold. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right, well, let good. me tell you who Mason Gamble is. He is the man or the young boy that beat you out of the role for Dennis the Menace. Back in the day. What a stud that guy was. <laughs> wow. This Tell is, us how, I just found out about this. How you actually went and auditioned to play Dennis in Dennis the Menace. Uh, Obviously, you weren't old enough to really so make a choice. But. Being a parent now, I think I probably understand the situation a little bit better. But so I think <laughs> I may have caught like a news segment on TV and was like, oh, you know, audition to be Dennis Menace. Send in your videos here. And I was like, mom and dad, I want to do that. And they're like, okay. So they take me in the backyard and they got the big camcorder. You know, my dad's like this. And they ask the questions that needed to be asked. And I don't know that they actually ever sent in the cassette tape. According to us, they sent it in. I, and I agree. I, I I lost. You Well, first of all. Mr. Gamble. There was, who, who has yeah. gone on to a huge thing, by the way. Pretty sure, he won some, pretty sure he won some awards yeah, for Household that. name. But there was 20,000 kids auditioned. Where would you say you ranked amongst those 20,000? 19,999. <laughs> I'm pretty you sure. You beat I got, out Yeah, I got one person. <laughs> I auditioned beat. for the same thing all the way from Colorado. I was like, I want to be that too. How old were you when you're doing these little child auditions? Well, that was the only one I ever did. And that was like 93, I believe. So I would have been seven. Yeah. Seven. A little seven piece stud. Is that the career? That, is that the career that got away from you? Think of what you could have been, dude, if you landed well, that, yeah, that, that massive Dennis the Menace role as a child. To, yeah, you might not have ever played golf. I yeah. might really have a opiate problem or drinking problem. Like child every other stars child turn out star. great, dude. You and Macaulay Culkin could be on the corner just huffing glue or whatever. It is. <laughs> whatever child stars do, dude, they make eight billion at age seven, and they're like, okay, well, I might as well blow my whole life. Yeah, well, their parents take up most of it. Yeah, exactly. Nothing. Yeah, you 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 would still have to take up golf. All right, well, we're point. glad you didn't get the role of Dennis the Menace. Okay. That's incredible. I had no idea you auditioned for Dennis. I'd never heard that story in my life. So. Gotta Props do research. to you. Gotta do he's, a, he's a multi-layered guy, dude. This Kev, he's not just a golfer, man. He's, a, he's an entertainer. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, now let's get into something you really, really care about, and that's the San Francisco 49ers. And I know you're kind of riding your high horse a little bit off this past season. You know, they made it all the way to the Super Bowl. Kind of threw up on themselves a little bit coming down the stretch. We'll get into that in a little bit. Got a few trivia. Got a few trivia questions for you. Oh, test the knowledge. Here we go. See how loyal of a fan you are. Let's start off real simple. Why are they called the 49ers? Mm. 1849, the gold rush. Good job. Okay, one for one. I grew up in California. That's like something you study. I yep. said yep. we're going to start it off simple. Okay. okay. The unicorn, one for one. Bring yep. it on. How many Super Bowls do they have? Five. Same as the Dallas Cowboys. God, we've got to break that tie soon. Okay. It's really stressful. Want to have a bet on who breaks it first? Actually, we have a bet, by the way, that I'm going to – Yeah. 
Hate Say to, it. I hate to break it to you, Colt, but you owe me a hundred grand. No, oh, hello. Yeah, okay. Elaborate, please. Think uh this is totally not true. I never a hundred grand. We're talking this is this, this is, is a lot real. of money. This, this is, is a lot of money. Yeah. So this is more than the Dennis the Menace role. Talk to my lawyer about I can't this. believe this hasn't come up. But so Gary Woodland, Colton Ost and I, we traveled a lot together in the summer of two thousand seven. Well, some of these stories aren't appropriate. <laughs> no, please. This is an open forum. This is a safe and, space. Uh, there may, you know, our blood alcohol ever may have never been legal, but uh, we spent many nights together. And I think that Colt and Gary were a year ahead of me, and so they were ready to turn pro. And I, so I think Colt was popping off about how he was going to go have all the success on the PGA Tour. And so we had a $100,000 bet on who could win first on the PGA Tour. Mm. Little did either of us know that mm. it would take 12 years for yeah, one of us but after to do 10 it. 10 years, it expires. Oh, okay. There's no statute on that Un- bet. Understand. Yeah. Understand. I You're just... on, we're on a team here. So. Okay, <laughs> but this is fun. This is 100 grand. And, <laughs> this so, is nice. and so I think one of us won before the other. So who uh, who owes I thought who 100 it was grand? first professional. Do you need win? legal counsel on this? <laughs> I thought it was so, first professional. So win. you wanted me to pay you more than what you made for your first professional win? No, I made over 100. <laughs> I made over 100. Okay, quick hundred. So you're in debt a hundred. Back to the trivia issue. questions for the. Oh, yeah, let's get back to the Niners. But the, the Grizzly Bear is down a hundred. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be down Ooh, for the rest of the stressful. show. Right, we're gonna have to free. bring this thing home. All right, Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh. Sorry, yeah. legendary coach for the San Francisco 49ers. What was his job before he came to San Francisco? He coached at Stanford. You're good at this game. I'm proud of you. I thought he was Dennis the Menace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the Cowboys. Had the pick before the 49ers the year Joe Montana was drafted. I don't know if you know this. Do you know who the Cowboys took in front of him? I do not know that. I'm a diehard Cowboy fan. I have no idea who this guy is. (laughs) His name's Doug Cosby. What a good idea that was. Mm. Nice pick, Cowboys. I read last night how the Cowboys said they were going to take whoever that was highest on their draft board if the pick got, whenever the pick got to them, because they were ahead of San Francisco. I mean, you know, they're big rivals and all this. And Montana was still on the board, but they had Roger Stahlback and I think Danny White as their backup. And they're like, oh, God, we can't take Montana. We're, we're loving Could never we take, take Joe Montana, dude. Take <laughs> Doug Cosby. That's a, that's that a franchise is. crippler taking a guy like Joe. All right. What is the mascot's name of the San Francisco 49ers? I do not know that. Yes. Oh, wow. I knew I did. I thought you'd nail that. What is it? Sourdough Sam. I have no idea. Sourdough uh, Sam. If I would have made something up, I would have gone with like Goldie or something. Yeah, that's what yeah, I that would make thought. more sense, I think, than Sourdough Sam. Sourdough right. bread. Got two left for you. Yeah, yeah. Two left for you. How many numbers have been retired by the San Francisco 49ers? Mm. I'm going to just guess 10. Close. 12. Who was the last? Mm. Jerry Rice. Good call. Yes. Last, this isn't a trivia question. This is just personal opinion. Who will be the quarterback of the 49ers in the 2021 season? I think they stick with Jimmy G. Would you be for them trading him back to New England for Tom Brady? No, I think you got to invest in your future. And I think Jimmy G has some experience in the uh, system. He hasn't done it yet, but I think he has the potential to do it based on the team that they have around. This is them. a forward thinker right here. GM maybe in your in your uh, future after after the golf ends. Coming for you, Lynch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More attractive, Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo. Go. Tom Brady. Oh, wow. It's you proven. like your you wow. like the older men. Huh? It's proven. It's proven. <laughs> it's factual. Mm-hmm. There's hey, data. I bet Jimmy G does all right. There's yeah, data. he's not hurting. No, he's he's got 137 million and he looks pretty nice. It ain't, it ain't terrible. Like I get it. It ain't terrible. I get it. It ain't terrible. 
Do you want to get into a little E9? I got one more. I got one yeah. more real golf question, though. Oh, we're going back to the real Yeah, golf. real golf question. Looking at your career up to this point, if I told a 21-year-old Kevin Chapel at the time that at your age you'd be a tour winner, have a number of top 10s in major championships, be one of the only guys in history to shoot 59 on the PGA Tour, would the 21-year-old Kevin Chapel be surprised by this? Would he be happy by this? Would he be satisfied with this? What would he have said at the time? If I said, here's your career, fast forward 14 years, 13 years. I think 21-year-old Kevin would have said I underachieved. Now, knowing what I know, what I've gone through, you know, I've done a good job of managing my career. Um, if I were to give advice to the 21-year-old, it would be to be patient and uh, and slow down a little bit. And so I think I would have had more success knowing what I know now as the 21-year-old. So I underachieved, but if I were to change a few things, I would have had more success. Do you think the 21-year-old Kevin Chapel would have been surprised that he'd be dressed as a narwhal on golf <laughs> subpar? No, I think 21-year-old would have been surprised he wasn't naked. Do you think 21 Kevin I'm glad you're not. Do you think 21-year-old <laughs> Kevin Chapel would have been sober enough to answer that question? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. That's what we were getting. Not to. at the Dogwood Amateur, okay. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. That's a time story. So for he does remember day. where the bet happened. Oh, uh, he knows. Yeah. <laughs> I don't acknowledge it. That's incriminating evidence it right is. there. Your your case just got stronger. <laughs> not my pocket. Your just got stronger. All right. All right, bring it up. We do this with every every guest, as you know, since you're a loyal listener. Kevin knows of golf's subpar. Emergency nine. Number one, who would play you in a movie? Ryan Reynolds. He's my doppelganger. Oh, humble. Very wow. humble answer. Ryan Reynolds. God, you do love yourself. Oh, my God. Between Gary and, Gary Woodland and Kevin Chappell, who's got the – Gary just immediately – Denzel. I mean, the strut is identical. Oh, it's, he's got the mean strut. We talked about that strut for a while. All right, quick follow-up to this. Doesn't count as one of the E9s. Title of your movie, go. Mm, stumper. That is a stumper. Fresno's finest. No, it's something about a broken back. Not broke back <laughs> okay, mountain. No, that was just too <laughs> not much. Broke back mountain, that was just too uh, much. My neck, my back, my neck, and my back. The man behind the beard. Okay. All right. You can work on that's a working title. We'll work into that. All right. Two celebrity crush as a kid. As a kid, kid or now, Ooh. or now, if you got one. All right. So I don't want to cause any problems in the home front. So let's go now. Okay. Good. This is. And you got to go on a little ride with me, because oh, it's I'm ready. it's a it's a it's not just a person. It's is a she real. It's a character. Oh, this is a fictional character. No, this is a real character. Oh, okay. Is it I mean, a she played it. Narwhal. No. Okay. So Kristen Bell. Okay. I know in the Bell. in the show, House of Lies. Oh, really? That exact character. That exact is character the, is, is the, like is my number one. The the my, my wife Elizabeth knows about her. We have. I was a deal. about to say, is your wife aware that? Yeah, you we have, have a deal. This, she's always. Oh, like, that's a deal. Is that yeah. like the hall pass yeah. type of scenario? That's good that you got that brokered already. I'm right. perfectly Slide fine with this. this. I'm perfectly fine with. All right, Colt, she plays a role. She's a, giving it an approval. She's yeah. she plays a like a, a lawyer type. She's a boss. She's sexy. She's vulgar. She's uh, she does it all. <laughs> This is great. That's, On that's, to the next question. I thought it was going to be like a name, happens. like Jennifer Lopez next. No, but he's like, let me tell you why. Kristen Bell from House yeah, of Lies. Because, I mean, Kristen Bell is very uh, girl next door in real life. But in this, she, she plays a different role, which, which kind of takes her up a notch for me. So the power kind of does it for yeah. you. Okay. All right. Fair All right. Enough. Cool. Fine. A- aliens. Are they real or fake? Real. Why? Because I believe it. That's all you needed to hear. First contact. Them to us or us to them? Them to us. Has it already happened? Yes. When's the next contact? Probably today. You think someone's communicating with them yeah. right now? 
Area 51, man. Are you a conspiracy theory guy? Big conspiracy theory I, guy. I, that doesn't surprise me at all. And you're from Fresno. That's like a hub for where, like weird stuff happens. I'll get in these dark, dark states yes. and I'll it'll be like I'll be like it's 4 a.m. I've just watched YouTube videos for nine hours. I get it. What am I doing? You are preaching to the choir. Yeah. Call me next time. We'll compare some videos. I got okay. some ideas too, dude. We'll, we'll tackle this together. All right, number four. Tour player most likely to be arrested in this calendar year. Go. And mm. for what? Ch- at what? On what charge? I love these questions. Yeah, this is this is a test. This is tested. Look at the unicorn. The wheels are turning. Someone's gonna get a DUI this year. All right, who who do you think it might be? I, I, who likes to get behind that wheel I after a I couple mean, pops? I, I'm not gonna say. You're right. my favorite. <laughs> Number five. What's the nerdiest thing about you? Probably my costume box. That's that's pretty nerdy there. actually, and it's already been kind of aired out. But yeah, yeah, that's good. What's the like? Is this a weekly routine? Like, how often do these things come out? You just does your daughter come home and you're like, hey, guess what? I'm so gonna, I'm gonna, I'll I'm be honest, my spaceship. I'm very fortunate. I have two homes, and my my costume box in Seattle's a little stronger than Scottsdale, but Scottsdale's strong, and we have a lot more like areas we can walk to, bike to, short commutes to and so like i'll wear a costume to starbucks twice a week oh that's it's getting it done what do people say that's dad of the that? year stuff i mean you're up in seattle it's kind of bright it is it is pretty normal yeah. um yeah but i if mean pe- wearing, like, people have a laugh and i'm like oh what are you laughing at one of the funny stories about costumes is wyatt and i my son we at um career no american express in palm springs this year i uh, took the afternoon of Wednesday off, we went to El Paseo, and I found these wigs at my in-laws' house. My in-laws have a house there, and I have no idea why these wigs were there, but I put one on, and my son's like, Dad, take that off. Take that off. What are you doing? And I'm like, and because it bothered him so much, I course, naturally it leave on. it on. Yeah, you have to embarrass your kids. And so by the time we left the house, he had one on. And so the two of us are wearing wigs, and so we would sit like in front of these storefronts where my wife and mother-in-law uh, shopped, and I would record him talking to people. And so he'd be, so he'd, he'd like this group of girls would walk by and be like, "Hey, ladies," and they they'd say hi, and then he'd if they didn't comment on his wig, he'd be like, "Dad, we got him, we got him." <laughs> they, and so yeah. yeah, and so that's one of my favorite you know costumes I have or that I've, situations that's I've, I've no better father son bonding than just dressing up like a couple of babes and heading down to the Starbucks. You know what I mean? Correct. A couple of babes, <laughs> couple of babies, just getting some coffee. You just know what I'm talking about? Let me rock this mullet and yeah. see what you have to I'm say. I'm the about old it. bearded lady at Starbucks. We we tricked him down. <laughs> By the way, uh, I passed Wyatt at the Phoenix Open this year, and he still said, "Beat it, Colt." As I walked, oh, by. you got him great, trained up. Great parenting. Yeah, yeah we beat might, it, Colt. You know, not high. How are you, Mister Nost? Nothing. Right. Beat right. it. Might be something in the Kool-Aid we feed him. Yeah, it's true. Possibly. Okay. Hello. Number six. Number six. Most embarrassing moment on the golf course. I think I, I think I know one. Go ahead, BJ Tour. Send me the fine. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Just that. You're in, you're in a safe space, dude. There's been a lot of embarrassing stories. So here. this was at the Wyndham Championship in Greensboro, North Carolina. Yes. This was my second year on tour, and I I was having a terrible year, and I. Uh, Basically felt like I was on my way to missing my card. And I'm playing the practice round. I don't know who all was in the group. Brant Job is someone I know that was in the group. And we're on the seventh hole in a practice round. We're playing for $20, $50 max. And I hit a bad shot on this par three. And I, I'm frustrated, you know, got a lot of aggression towards the year. And I give it a club throw. And I throw oh, this boy. thing, I throw this thing forward 40 yards. 
and it hits on a tee box that lands on the grip and bounces dead left and goes into a group of guys and it hits someone. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never felt so small in my mm. life. So I have to go apologize to these guys. And they handled it great. I mean, it was, they couldn't have been better about the situation. I couldn't have felt worse. The time I'm sponsored by Ruth Chris. So I'm like going to my bag. I'm like, how many gift cards do I have in here? And I'm like pulling yeah, here, them out. You I'm own like, 10% hey, of Ruth Chris. Here, here don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. Here you go, guys. Don't tell anyone. Yeah. There's dinner on me, you know. And so I give it to them. Well, these guys proceeded to follow me. The next, I'm going to say I made the cut. I have no idea if I did. For four days. And I'm just like, every time I see them, I'm like, oh, gosh. Don't, don't tell the story to that person right there. Don't tell the story to that person. And luckily, it really hasn't gotten out. But that was pretty embarrassing when you throw a club and it hits someone. Yeah. Yeah, what was the damage like? Inj any injury? No, in no injury. Okay. And they couldn't have handled it better. So I, I All right. felt Disaster okay about it. There's definitely yeah. been worse. Disaster averted. I don't know. You can't hit a fan with a club. Uh, I know a certain someone in yeah. Cancun that slammed his club and the shaft broke and stuck into some guy's leg. I know some. I, I know a broken club that involves stitches in the dome piece. Who you know the, as well. Up in the northwest. Up in the northwest <laughs> part of the United States. So you're currently third. So on that's that fine, okay. dude. You're fine. A couple of bruises and you get a bunch of free meals at Ruth's Chris. Sign me up for that. I'll take a sandwich <laughs> to the shin at any time. I really wish you were still sponsored by them. I'm not gonna lie. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds All right. Incredible. Work on that. The grizzly bear sounds. <laughs> gets a little hungry. Kind of sounds nice. Yeah. He's coming out of hibernation. Yep. All right. One thing you currently do not own, but would like to one day. Man, that's a good question yeah. too. Mm -hmm. So Those I've kind of done things backwards in my my life. So I turn <laughs> pro, I buy the $120,000 car and I'm like, yeah, this sucks. I can't drive over the curb on my way to the golf course. So Was yeah. The Jaguar? Yeah. I remember that. So this is out. And then, you know, I, my wife and I decided to build our dream home and we're like, oh yeah, this is fun. Dream home. And we're get in it. We're like, is this dreamy to you? Cool. No, not still really. Still feel the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Still feel the same. Okay, let's sell Just that more too. More broke than yeah. I was. Yeah. Let's sell that too. So I'm not really a. You're I, already selling the house in yeah. Washington. Coming back, Colt. Oh my god. I'm coming back. Oh boy. You are a little reverse like career guy. Yeah. You spend all your money early on all the flashy stuff, and then later on, you're like, I don't really need all this. Yeah. Gear. So I'm trying to figure out what I need in life. I I know I need time with my family, and it's probably going to be experiences. So let's. I'm gonna join one of these, uh, these like vacation groups, like an Inspirado. Inspirado, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Inspirado, follow me. Yeah. Um, shout out. Shout out. Yeah. At your bro. Mm -hmm. um, That's a good plug right now. Hella nice. Hella, hella God, good no. deal. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But first good. off, you're you seem like you are completely responsible for your money compared to some of our previous guests, aka the rat. Oh, dude, who, barn rat. Who earns a He's dollar and spends seven? Full yeah. Send. Uh, just having. Two and a half humans that I'm responsible for, um, I have to think about them as well. I yeah. love that. Yeah, the rat he ain't, he ain't worried. He gets a million spins a month. I remember, yeah, I remember when I first met you had the big jag on like 24 yeah. big dishes. I mean, and if you even in that car, if you even looked at a curb, you'd hit it. Yeah, that's just you're guaranteed that in a year that thing's not worth anything. It's like, yeah, here's my car. Dude. I had yeah, a bunch of a rims that looked like Swiss cheese. Yeah, those things were toast. I remember that. Now you're like driving Jeep Cherokee, yeah. like regular. Jeep. Beat it, guys. Right, regular. We got we to skip number eight. You already answered it. Trade lives with someone. So I'm going to substitute because you already ruined okay. this one. You I'm already sorry. want to trade lives. But I sang a song. All right. You did sing a song, which was beautiful. Yeah, you by did. The way. You got pipes. All right. So. Elizabeth, your wife, big Seattle Seahawks fan. You're a Niners fan. Big rivalry nowadays. Can you please explain to me how it goes when y'all watch games together? 
Because they say happy wife, happy life. So neither of us will budge on who we root, root for. I tell you what, we so we went to Mexico this year together, played the no without any kids, and they played each other. It was the first time they played each other, and it was an overtime game. Seattle ended up winning the game. But it was really funny how the game went and how the conversation went. <laughs> and so whoever's team was winning, yeah. they would be like, oh, man, if you guys could just – stop getting so many penalties you guys would be playing all right and then you know my team would be winning and i'm like yeah i mean you guys missed three field goals like that's the difference in the game you know it's a, we're always like kind of building each other up and the niners kind of mismanaged overtime in my opinion and so i uh, about two minutes left in the overtime period seattle's getting ready to kick a field goal and i Gave her a kiss and said goodnight and didn't even watch the end of the game oh didn't but, even give her the pleasure no, of rubbing but, it in no yeah. and you know, it's probably the best case for us to keep them separate. But we so funny thing is when we had kids, we were like, all right, we're going to clearly have a rivalry here. Well, the Giants were good at the time in baseball. Rest in peace. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so a big Giants fan. And, and, uh, and so I was like, all right, if Wyatt can be a Giants fan, I'll let him be a Seahawks fan in mm. football. Okay. And so, it's a fair trade. so it was a nice trade off. And, and, and so that was our thing. Well, your kids, they have their own agenda. And so he couldn't be a bigger 49er fan. And so it's just so funny. He is the worst person to watch a game with. I mean, the Niners score and it's like, mom, your team's losing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And just rubbing it in the whole she 100% time. She 100% thinks you taught him all Correct. that. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And so that's been fun to like kind of monitor to that. And that actually what is what made the Super Bowl loss a little bit easier because he took it so hard. He's crying you know, the Niners are going to lose. And I'm like, buddy, it's okay. Your team's going to lose more than they're going to win. You know, like, let's just get used to this. That was one last thing I was going to ask you was, did she root for the Niners in the Super Bowl? She, so she's a much better spouse as in terms of team rooting than I am. She well, she rooted for the, uh, the Niners. And and I think it has something to do with my son. Um, I'm not going to give her all the credit to to lessening my blow, but I think he had something to do with it. But, when the not when the Seahawks win the Super Bowl, I do not root for them. I'll admit <laughs> that's awesome. That's fair. All right, last one. Would you like to ask it, or would you like me to? I'll go ahead and ask it. We, you know, as I'll a big fan, it. as a big fan of the show, <laughs> ten foot putt for your life. You know what's coming. Your life's on the line. The unicorn, the the underwater unicorn, life Marwell. on the line. Ten footer, me or Colt, who you want putting it? How many Red Bulls have been drank? Three, normal amount. You're stable. Yeah. Exactly. And what's your, I'm what's, out, what's your state? Perfect. Colt. 07 Prime. Oh. I'm sorry, Sleaze. It's okay. I believe I in no you. Offense. I believe in you. I thought this if, is how my just, whole career has gone, If you dude. were going to have one guy pick you. You thought it would be Chappie? Be Chapp. Yeah, I thought it was he's, too. He's That's, done, that, that ends that segment for the whole year. He's done it. That's all I got. It's so hot in here. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's not cold. Thankfully, and I just want to say, first I want to say thank you so much, Kevin Chappell, for joining Golf Subpar. You were an absolute treat. That's all I got to say. Thanks there it is. Thanks for having me. Thing ever said. Appreciate it's, you coming it's on. It's been Appreciate an honor. Party thank favors you, yeah, too, thank dude. you for it's, the costume. Whoever's so next has a lot to live up to. Can't wait to see you guys at Starbucks. Granted, I'm sweated through every single thing that I'm wearing right now, but it was worth it for this. And that was Kevin Chapel on Golf Subpar. Sleazy, that was a, that was a good one. That, Interesting. That was Interesting. fun. That was fun, although about... Eight minutes into the interview, I was sweating profusely oh, my under my Mr. Incredible outfit. I was like, I am going to lose seven pounds in here today. Dude, I had the he- the bear head oh, on. Oh, you had the hat and on I the was, time. My head was sweating so bad, it was ridiculous. Re-
ridiculous, but uh, felt like I worked out a little bit, so I didn't have to do anything. The rest that of the counts. Week. That's like a sauna trip. That's what big time journalists like ourselves do. We just bear, we just grin and bear it through the elements. We put on a real professional interview. That's what we do. Tell you what, it was quite nice to have him sing a little uh, Garth Brooks for us, though. Very Imp- impressive. Not bad pipes for Chappie. Impromptu, without even having to having to nudge him at all. He wanted to show those vocals off. I think every I think every guest has to sing. We should we if they're have any sort of song memorized they should have to sing it i mean Wyndham kind of backed out a little bit a little chappy scared. made up for first off chappy's a big fan of the program he watches every episode he kind of knew a lot he of the questions that were coming the questions we're gonna have to like throw that. some curveballs yeah we are we're gonna have to mix guys. it up they're getting, they're getting to uh they, they're knowing what's coming they're like the astros they already know what's coming before it gets <laughs> well there. done there thank you yeah but uh he was a great guest um you know he's got such a bright future he's such a good ball striker it's great to see him back from injury i tell you what it's impressive what he's done in the major championships over his career now, he hasn't played a ton of them, but when he does, he's he's up there. Yeah, he's one of those guys I feel like the harder the course, the more I like Kevin Chappell. You know what I mean? I don't know if I think that some shootout 27-under is the best thing for him. But like Valero, Texas Open, where he's won, where it blows a million, it's really tough, plays great. U.S. Opens, toughest, toughest conditions in golf, plays great. I like, him as, I like him as a guy that plays better the harder the conditions are. He was great. But obviously, no gambling this week, so we go straight on to Colt versus Drew. You came up. You got a victory last week. Uh, that was that was more of like a pity victory. I don't even know if I count it, but I will accept it. But uh, we'll get back. To, we'll get back to the All real right. deal today. Producer Mark, what do you got for us this week? All right, you guys have touched on this a bit already, but you have to give one up permanently: golfing or gambling on sports. Oh God! Oh, gambling on sports for me, no doubt. If I can't go play golf, I will go stir crazy. I'll have absolutely nothing to do. I'm not really good at anything else, and I need to be outside. I got to be able to play golf. Question to the question. If oh. you give up gambling, do you get to gamble while playing golf? Or is it just, I'm going out for the love of the game? Oh, that's a great love question. Of love of the game. Oh. No gambling. You're going to go out there and just cruise nine. That would be difficult. Try to shoot a good <laughs> score. Really difficult. <laughs> that, that, sounds, that sounds terrible. That sounds brutal. I think I would rather give up golf and just drive around in the cart and watch my friends play and gamble on them playing. I'm going to say I give up golf. Before I'm changing gambling. my answer. I want to do that now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got to have some action. Those go hand in hand. Yeah. All right, a lot of events have been pushed back. Would you rather see the Masters in the summer or in the fall? Uh, for me, it's the fall. fall. Yeah, I mean, the summer, I don't think the golf course will be ready. It's too hot and humid in Georgia. just won't work. The golf course is closed anyways to the members. Um, so I think you got to go fall, which will still be very weird. It'll be a very different-looking Augusta National in the yeah, fall. Yeah, I don't even think the summer is doable with the conditions. It would look nothing like – even if they were to open the course, it would look nothing like the Masters. I think the fall would be the closest thing you could get to simulate conditions in April. But gotta, if they have it at all, got to be fall. All right, little interview sneak peek. Would you rather wear a bear costume for a month or pay Kevin Chappell $100,000? Well, seeing as I don't have $100,000 to pay Kevin Chappell right now, I think I'd opt for the bear suit, and I could probably just uh, get on with it. might be something I, I develop into to liking. I've worn weirder stuff in public before, so I'd go with the, I'll I go totally, with the bear trap or bear costume over hundred grand quick. I totally believe that, and I actually agree with the sleazy man on this. I wore the bear costume, and if we can get the air conditioning pumping, I'm perfectly fine with it. It's super comfortable. Think how much attention you get. You go down to the dog park just dressed as a bear. Girls become, oh, my God, what are you? You're yeah. a little grizzly bear. You're the cutest. <sighs> you know? It's a nice little attention getter. <laughs> I don't understand what that <sighs> part is. That was like you it. being a bear. <sighs> yeah, pet me. Okay, yeah. perfect. All right. With no sports on, you can only choose one thing for the next few weeks, Netflix or YouTube. 
Uh, I'm going to go. I got to go Netflix. As a guy that loves to go down the YouTube rabbit hole, I get into some weird stuff. I'm a big YouTube guy. But if I got to pick between the two in this trying time right now, it's a lot easier to watch five hours straight of Netflix than it is to watch five hours straight of YouTube. I, I hate agreeing with him, but he's 100 percent right on this. I don't watch a whole lot of YouTube unless I'm checking out golf subpar because it's fantastic right. on Smart. there and we look amazing doing it smart but netflix i mean there's so many options there's so many great movies obviously you can binge watch tv series i love netflix uh, couldn't do without it all right this is gonna be the deciding one okay who would be the better person to be quarantined with colt or drew <laughs> at our house yes <laughs> well we both would be great yeah and both I, very and good. i love sleaze's daughter palmer but the only thing at my house there's no screaming baby ever so that's always a that's always a bonus. If you need to take a nap, no problem. 100% agree with Colt right now. <laughs> There's way too much external noise going on at my house that it's hard to get. If Even if you have the time to sit down and binge watch something on Netflix, it's hard without getting interrupted four or five different times during a show. So I would definitely, I might volunteer right now to quarantine myself at Colt's house. I know there's going to be booze. I know there's going to be some food. I know there's going to be a couch there with my name on it. So I'm, I'm volunteering myself right now to quarantine with Colt. All right, that's a great answer, Drew, but I simply can't reward you for abandoning your family. So Colt is <laughs> yeah. going to be the winner. Perfect. I'll take it. I'm back. Okay. I love it. That's actually fair. Didn't think about that. That's a bad look. I take back everything for all my family that's listening. Yep, too late. The decision has I love been made. You guys. Colt is this week's winner. Well, Sleazy, next week's episode is one of my favorites mm. that we have ever done. We have our first Hall of Famer. Correct. Our first non-golfer. Correct. Uh in a just a beast of a human, mm -hmm. the great Brian Erlacher joins us on Golf Subpar. This was fun, man. I know, like you know him a little bit. I've I've been around him at times. Didn't know him super well. He came in with more energy than you and I had for this thing. He was ready. To, he was chatting like a little schoolgirl. I like I, we could have gone on for two hours. I think with him, he was a ten. He is an awesome, awesome dude and loves his golf. Still looks like he could suit up and go play for the Bears oh, right now. He is a monster. Without without question. He is you get a better appreciation for these dudes when they're stand, sitting right next to you. I was like, oh my, this dude could snap me. Snap. We're, we're the same species. Yeah, we're the same. We, we have something. the same we're DNA. Same something. This roughly, is weird. Which is terrifying. But it was a fun one. Please tune in next week and watch. It is gonna be great. But until then, please stay healthy, everybody out there. We're gonna get through this. Everything's gonna be great. We'll see you next time on Golf Subpar. Yeah.